0: It's Super Bowl week, and we are just days away from one of the most compelling championship games in recent memory. Joining us from Radio Row to break down all things Chiefs, Eagles, and Seahawks is the Ringer's NFL staff writer and podcasting switchblade, Ben Solak. Let's light them up. I'm Jackson Bevins. This is Cigar Thoughts. Welcome back to the Cigar Lounge. I am Jackson Bevins, and along with my titular producer, Mike Barwin. This is the Cigar Thoughts podcast. Mike, how are we doing today? Feeling appropriately super, Jackson. How are you? I am doing great, man. I had an opportunity to uh, get down to check out the Vertigo Cigar Club, and. Uh, downtown Seattle last night, smoked some stogies with Seahawks tight end Colby Parkinson. And uh, our man uh, from the Seattle Cigar Concierge is there as well. And he was doling out the the big boy sticks. So uh, we got to smoke the Don Arturo, which has been like a holy grail cigar for me for years. Never thought I'd get my hands on one. That was incredible. And I got to tell you, man, Colby and his brother Garrett, who, by the way, looks like he could also be in the league. They are a great hang. I mean, like, just the easiest dudes to be around. Colby knows his cigars, like, really knows them. He's he's a stogie guy. But super easy to be around. And, uh, we just had an awesome time, man. So I'm still buzzing.
1: I'm glad to hear that. You got a nice little belated celebration in for national tight ends day. You're only three and a half months late, buddy. Nice work. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I'm, I'm mainly surprised that they allowed three beards of that caliber into a cigar lounge at <laughs> yeah. once. You know, I figured that piling yeah. up that much kindling would be against code. right?
0: <laughs> yeah. It was a very hirsute group in that, uh, in that lounge last night, but the, the place is cool, man. It's like, uh, it doesn't look like anything on the outside. It looks like a place you'd want to avoid. Uh, so it's got kind of a speakeasy vibe. And there's no entrance unless you know the entrance and, and are a member. And you open up, walk upstairs, and, and the place is cool as hell. So, yeah, just a, just a tremendous vibe. And those good vibes are going to keep rolling today because we have one of my favorite NFL podcasters joining us from Radio Row in Arizona. He writes about the league for the ringer and lends his insight to a myriad of football pods. He is Ben Solak. Ben. I know this week is especially crazy, so thank you for making the time.
2: No, of course. It's it's deserved because I accidentally totally stiffed you guys like last week uh, by accident. It was not on purpose. <laughs> We're I mean, not bitter. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, no, I'm I'm happy to be on. It's fun to be on, and it's it's a great week, dude. Like you, you said in the intro, it's like this game feels sick. All Super Bowls feel sick, yeah. but this one in particular feels like it's going to be a doozy. I'm pumped.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can't accidentally make the Super Bowl. So, like, mm-hmm. if you're in, you're good, but, like, This really, really feels to me like the two best teams in the NFL and pretty evenly matched. We'll we'll get into that in a little bit. First, though, I want to talk to you about being there because the Super Bowl has become such a massive event that even the events surrounding it have become big. And that includes the media parade leading up to the game. You're right in the middle of the Thunderdome down there. How's it been?
2: It's been great. It's been a good time. I love uh, Media Week and these these big scrums. Like I, the the actual Media Night itself, it's like impossible to get anything good. Out of that, you get like a quote here, a quote there, but that's tricky just because it's 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 too intense. But in general, the the oversized, oversaturated media aspect of everything is fun. Like being on Radio Row is sick. It's just energy. It's just everybody's going and buzzing and you're walking or, you know by to go find like a coffee or a pastry or something to keep you alive for the next hour and a half. And there's some radio station complaining about what the Celtics are going to pay Jalen Brown. And you're like, why are you here? Like, what is <laughs> happening right now? They're going for it. They're living it. And then you go by the next table and, you know, it's just an 85 year old NFL veteran who's like, I really feel like the key for the Chiefs is handing the football off to you know, Larry Johnson, you're like, okay, like for sure. Do it, man. Like, that's great. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's bananas out here. It's a wild, wild west. Sure. And there's so many good people in in media that you get to see. Like you got so many friends. It's an extremely fun, very exhausting week. I joked in the pre-show, we should do this every month. I think if we did, I'd die, but I'd like it for a while. It'd be a good
0: time. (laughs) Has, Has there been anything about this week that has stood out to you kind of during this experience that feels unique to this year?
2: Oh, it's a good question. This is my second Super Bowl, uh, and so I really only have uh, the L.A. Super Bowl to compare it to last year with, with Rams-Bengals. It, it's my first time also being able to do the full media thing, because last year they were still kind of on COVID limitations, mm-hmm. so it was all, mm-hmm. like, Zoom interviews and whatever. Uh, I think if anything stands out, it's – like, I, I said this at the top a little bit, but there's a definite sense – when no matter what show you go on and kind of Eagles background or Chiefs background or whatever, that this is going to be a really good game and it's a really close game. You know what I'm saying? I, I've, save for one or two Eagles media members who shall remain nameless, I've yet to experience anybody who's like overly confident of of the outcome here. Like there's yeah, the, and 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 the buildup of it is also enormous. Just with how the how much better Jalen Hurts is than anybody ever expected how quickly the Eagles turn this around much faster than everybody expected and then the Patrick Mahomes legacy like it feels like there's an enormous enormous peak that we're hitting right here somebody made the point earlier this week to me that like this Eagles team if they win the Super Bowl this is one of the best teams ever they've lost one game with their starting quarterback and they were like yeah. dominant through the playoffs like uh, let's say they beat the Chiefs by multiple scores, I'd be stumbled let's say they do they, they then win the games 30, they win their playoff games 38 to 7, 31 to 7, and then a multiple score win over Patrick Mahomes. Like, that's one of the greatest playoff right. runs ever. And, then, like, you know, and, like, sure, it's because they play Daniel Jones and Josh Johnson, but nobody's going to care about that when we're talking, you know, how, what it looks like in the record books in 20 years. And so it, well, that, it really feels exactly like a big right. peak.
1: Yeah. Imagine being able to pat yourself on the back for beating Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes within a five year span at multiple Super yeah, right. Bowls, too. Absolutely. It, it is.
0: It's crazy. And it's, it's one of those things where it does, I mean, just a, Related to something that Mike and I know really well. Brian reminds me of the 2013 Seahawks, where it was like, yes, okay. This team is exciting and they're young and they're fun and they're kicking a bunch of ass, but you know, can they really carry it through? There's lots of those teams that come along and they're fun and win a bunch of games and all of that. And then don't capitalize. And they faced, you know, what was the, the chiefs back then it was the Broncos coming off the highest scoring, you know, season in NFL history and they thumped them. So if you guys have like a forty-three to eight type of performance like Seattle did that week, I mean you're absolutely in that conversation, right?
2: No, yeah, and and if there's a place to throw a party, it's with the Chiefs on the opposite sideline, and I think that you would see that from this Eagles team that really likes to throw a party and they like they like to mm-hmm. you know like Nick Sirianni finding the camera and making a face early in the, in the divisional round. You know what I'm saying? Like they, <laughs> they they like it a little bit. Again, I they don't got some think juice. we. Yeah. I don't think you get there, though, because you do know that the guy on the other sideline is who he is and they're the team that they are, such that when you're up like 14 to nothing in the first quarter, you're kind of like, woohoo. But also, this is basically <laughs> zero zero. You know, you can't, yeah. you don't want to get too far, too far over your skis there. So I, I think yeah. it's going to be a heavyweight fight. I think the Eagles are going to get some big punches in. They're going to look sharp for a while. They're going to look like it might be a blowout and the Chiefs are going to punch right back. Like, I think this is a real, you know, 10 rounder and I'm excited for it.
0: That's going to be awesome, man. I mean, historically, I've usually been able to pick a side pretty early once I know the two teams, uh, and that's both from a rooting and a betting perspective, but here we are, three days away, and I'm having trouble finding a significant edge, emotional or otherwise, between these two teams. I mean, I'm just very fond of and impressed by both the Chiefs and the Eagles. Now, you're close to the Eagles, and I know you collaborate with another friend of this show, Shiel Capadia, with the Philly Special Show. But you're also a devout student of the league. So what are your instincts telling you about how this game is going to go on Sunday? I know you mentioned kind of back and forth, but are you thinking more high scoring, more low scoring? Is this going to be a game where whichever team runs the ball better has the advantage? How, How you think this plays out?
2: yeah high scoring and 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 the thing that i think is really important to talk about is these teams are aggressive on fourth down and really high quality in the red zone chiefs one of the best red zone teams in the leagues this year eagles an incredible red zone team because of their rushing game like the the work that these guys can do in putting seven on the board instead of three and even putting seven mm-hmm. on the board instead of zero when they elect to go for it on fourth down instead of punting and like we're going to see drives finish when when, when these two teams played in 2021 I think the Chiefs didn't punt, and the Eagles punted like twice or something. Like, you know, it was 42-30 to at the end of the game, but it was close throughout. It was high-scoring throughout, and then the Chiefs kind of pulled away late. Uh, I think you're going to see a ton of points. I think you're going to see seven points, and and you're going to see that go back and forth. And even if it's a a punt here, a turnover there, and somebody gets that two-score lead, I think it will evaporate pretty quick. I do lean Chiefs in a game that is high-scoring, in a game that could be like, all right, who has the ball last? Jalen Hurts just hasn't had to have many scripts this season, where he's coming from behind or he's passing to stay on pace, right? Like the Eagles tend to generate a solid lead and then, sit on it by running the football mahomes is the guy that i think i trust a lot more if we start to get to a fourth quarter and it's 28 24 with 10 minutes left and you're just thinking all right it's going to go back and forth here eagles defense has the ability to maybe get a stop but it's tough to get that second stop that third stop to really slow slow the chiefs down in these moments and so i think i lean chiefs in in the event Mm -hmm. that we get that high scoring game where most drives most possessions are ending in points but also i i that's you don't really know. You really don't know what this Eagles team looks like if they are, like, down in the fourth quarter. Hurts has some, the fewest pass attempts of a quarterback trailing this season, right? Like this is the sort of right. thing where you're, you're, you're kind of <laughs> assuming, but you can't really color the whole
0: thing out. You guys have – the Eagles have trailed for, like, an hour this year. Yeah, <laughs> it's, right. It's really yeah. crazy. They When they needed to win the game against the
2: Colts late, they went – uh, like, you know, they went pass, pass, and then they got this huge like 50-yard defensive pass interference penalty, right? And then they, they got into uh, range to score the go-ahead touchdown because they were down by four, right? A field goal doesn't win the game for them. And they just started running the football. There was like I two and a half this. minutes left, right? And they weren't they were, like, going, hurry up, no huddle, run. Because they were just so confident in their ability to pick up 10 yards in four runs. And they were just like, we don't even need Hurts to throw the ball right now. And after that game, Eagles fans got really mad at me because I pointed this out. But this it was the most run-heavy drive down by more than a field goal in a two-minute situation in league history. But they, the Eagles League like, <laughs> didn't care. They, they were just so confident they could, they could score that seven points in a game in which they'd largely been unsuccessful. So we really, we have not seen Hurts have to make that sort of a drive relative to Mahomes. And so you think, all right, high scoring, you think close, and then inherently it takes you to the Chiefs. I don't know if I want to go all the way there to the Chiefs, but that's just inherently where kind of that logic mm-hmm. takes you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's interesting what, what you said about that drive. I'm actually really glad you brought it up because, I mean, I didn't realize that it had historical implications when it happened, but I was I I remember it, you know? I, and, and I say that as someone who doesn't follow the Eagles nearly as closely. I remember that drive. I was so impressed by it, and there's two ways you can frame it. It's either they are super confident in their run game or they don't trust their quarterback in that situation. Yep. And, and I, I don't think there's any way for me to interpret it any other than we're just going to kick your ass up front. Like we've got you where we want you. You're on your heels and we'll pass if we need to, but we don't think we need to, you know, you guys, you guys made probably my favorite move of the off season, uh, when you traded for AJ Brown, because the knock on the Eagles last year, like you could see they were building something. Jalen Hurts obviously was a prolific running quarterback last year, uh, and and you had multiple running backs being effective between Sanders and Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell. And did you have Jordan Howard again last year? Also, probably I feel for like a he's second. always Jordan Howard. Yeah, I feel like he's yeah, always been. Around. Feel like he's an Eagle for a couple weeks every year. Uh, you know, and you get to the playoffs and the Bucks jump out to a big lead and it just felt like that's it. It's over. Like they just don't have the mm-hmm. firepower. They don't have the ability to go score four touchdowns that changed when they brought in AJ Brown and we're seeing Devonte Smith blossom into the player that I think you and I both saw him becoming, uh, I think as a big result of that. So I would have said, you know, certainly before AJ Brown, yeah, if the chiefs get up, it's over. But I don't think that's the case this year. I, I do think mm-hmm. that the Eagles can score quickly if they have to.
2: Yeah, I also think that like if the Eagles go up, the Eagles have all season pressed the button and been very successful pressing the button of, we run the football now, 80 mm-hmm. play, eighty yards, 15 plays, 8 minutes. Mm-hmm. Patrick Holmes can have a long talk with Eric Bietamil on the sideline and come with what we <laughs> want to do next. But we're going to be out here for a while. And the Chiefs really, personnel-wise, don't have a lot to stop that defensively flip the put the shoe on the other foot the Chiefs are up well the Chiefs are running the ball like better this year but they're still not situated to do that so that yeah if the Chiefs have a big lead okay like you know that's obviously not where you want to be the Eagles you're you're know, now in a pass script. You tend to be a run first team, but you're probably going to get more possessions, more swings, more cracks at the bat than the Chiefs do if it's in the other direction, right? And that's the thing that, that encourages you is like, all right, well, now we just get those extra chances for an A.J. Brown 50 50 ball. We get those extra chances for a Devontae Smith screen that goes for 15 yards, even though he's 170 pounds and never looks like he should ever break a tackle. Everybody does every single time. Like, that's, that's yep. you, you now have more opportunities for this. And so, you know, I do have a little bit of morbid curiosity of like, what do the Eagles look like if they're behind? Because we really just don't. Totally. No. And, well, you know, they'll, they'll,
0: uh, yeah. We'll probably see that at some point yeah. in this yeah, game. But you it's, know? it's
2: behind in the way that really makes them throw. We have, they haven't, right. Seen it all yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. And if, right. If they handle the game the way they want to, we won't see it again in this one. And that's, that's bananas.
0: That, that would, yeah. That would be really crazy. You know, I, as, as a f- football fan, I feel a little bit robbed from the NFC championship game with, you know, the quarterback injuries and all of that Uh, as a Seahawks fan, it's obviously thrilled to see it. But uh, I, I do feel like Eagles are probably still winning that game by 10 to 14 points. Just, just the way, just the juice that they had in that one. Uh, I, you know, to your point about the chiefs, yes, they are running it better this year. Pacheco gives them like a true downhill, angry running style that, they just didn't have with Clyde Edward Solaire or Daryl Williams or Jarek McKinnon, all of whom are talented in their own ways, but a little bit more like satellite back style. The thing about Mahomes is he's on the short list of quarterbacks ever that can win a Super Bowl with a one dimensional offense if he has to. Like you can know mm-hmm. that he's throwing it. You can even know that he's throwing it to Travis Kelsey, and teams just haven't been able to stop it. So that's going to be really fascinating. Is my inclination in this game is that the chiefs were going to try and run the ball, especially given the wide splits in Philadelphia's red zone defense. I think he, I think the Eagles are the number one pass defense in the red zone and like 30th against the run in the red zone. Mm-hmm. But if they can't get that going, then we might see 40, 45 attempts from a which would be really fun.
2: Yeah. And I think that uh, the chiefs have worked really hard since the Tyreek Hill trade but even before the Tyreek Hill trade in learning how to be a team that dinks and dunks Mahomes has mm-hmm. worked really hard on learning how to be a quarterback that just takes what the defense gives him and we we say that phrase a lot but it's important to characterize exactly what happens it's not Mahomes choosing after being in the pockets for pocket for 3 seconds 3 and a quarter second okay nothing's open deep down the field let me throw it to the back it's Mahomes choosing at Two seconds at two and a quarter mm-hmm. second. Okay, nothing will be open downfield. I have to get the ball out to the back now to maximize this checkdown. I need it to get to Isaiah Pacheco to get to Jarek McKinnon before the linebackers realize the ball is going to the checkdown and start to go close on it. That's the way a checkdown becomes a six yard gain instead of a three yard gain, a ten yard gain instead of a four yard gain. It's by cho- it's by making the choice early, seeing, surveying, not trying to run around, not trying to oh maybe Travis Kelsey will kind of you know do a little this that. that thing, just saying. All right. all right, I have the back. Or, I'm and Tyreek
0: will get open eventually.
2: Yeah, that's a a conscious decision. And it's a hard one to make when you're as talented, as gifted, as uniquely gifted as Patrick Mahomes is. And that's the decision he's made, especially over the course of this year, such that like that 45 attempt game, I think we have a good chance to get a really high attempt game and a really high completion game from Mahomes, because this Eagles defense is all about set a blanket deep, set a blanket intermediate, try to force the check down. And Mahomes all year has said, I'll do it.
0: I will do it death by a thousand paper cuts you all the way down the field and and especially i mean you know hopefully his ankle is better i mean i do want to see these two teams at full strength but he is not going to have the elusiveness and mobility for extending plays especially against that front that philadelphia has um that he's been accustomed to in his career and and to your point even before the injury in the playoffs i mean that's absolutely true i I believe that this has been his shortest time to throw of his five years in his career. And I think by a decent margin and, and yep, you're right. And lowest Ada as well. Sure. Sure. And I mean, look, you, you swap out Tyreek Hill for Juju Smith Schuster. You've got two very different route runners right there. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, Juju someone that has made his living kind of under 15 yards. And so it's cool to see them lean into that and, um, you know, they got Pacheco really involved against the Bengals in the past game. It's not something he had done much all year, but he had five catches in that one. That was really cool to see. I mean, one thing, you know, with Andy Reid is he's got the ability to counter punch and it'll be interesting to yeah. see if Sirianni and his staff do as well. Cause they, they haven't really, they've come out and put teams on the ropes in the first round and then just peppered them from there until the knockout lands. And uh, I don't think they're going to be able to do that in this one.
2: No, I I am so interested to see how Andy approaches this game because so much of the like oh, Eagles have got this one argument is based off of well like the Bucks and the Chiefs played in the Super Bowl and the Bucks pass rush was such a huge advantage and Mahomes was running for his life the whole time and they pressured him so much that they won the game. And that's how the Eagles will do it. The Eagles are going to dominate with that front. They're going to pressure Mahomes constantly. They're going to move him off his spot and that's how they're, they're going to win the game. To which my response is always do we think Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are about to lose two Super Bowls the exact same way? Or right. I feel like that game happened and Andy and Patrick said, okay, well, never again. Like, yeah. you know, first they were gonna fix the entire offensive line. But secondly, like we were gonna, you know, Mahomes improved his pocket management, Andy improved his ability, like, you know, the 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 designs they'd get such that they would use the underneath areas of the field and they'd have quicker options. I very much think that this is a big, big, big Andy Reed game in terms of saying, we have fully answered. We have we have completed an entire stage of our development. We know how defenses want to play us, how we're going to respond, what their counter is, what our counter is. We, have, we are holistic now. We're not just Patrick Mahomes out in the backyard. Like We have a full system, a full scheme. We have answers for everything. And I think you're going to see that against a Gannon defense that, like, it's not a chaos defense. It's not yeah. a confusion defense. It's not a disguise defense. They just line up and play. And any defense that just lines up and plays against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, is in a very, very scary place. And so yeah. the people who are like, oh, Passer's going to win it for the Eagles, I disagree. I think they need a lot more than that.
0: Well, and you mentioned that Chiefs lost to the Bucks in their previous Super Bowl appearance. It's probably safe to say that they're not going to commit 13 penalties or drop seven passes either. You know, And, and Andy Reid is not dealing with a family tragedy night before mm-hmm. the Super Bowl. I mean, they... There, there were some schematic things that they got beat in that one, but there was a lot of executional issues for, for yeah. the Chiefs in that loss. And, and mm-hmm. I, I just don't see that happening. Um, you know, I'll be curious to see how much this game looks like their first Super Bowl win um, against the 49ers, which obviously they didn't have the same dynamic talent at quarterback in that game, but a very similar kind of uh, team ethos. In that one, where just a really ferocious defense, they're going to run the ball, and then they're going to take their, you know, they're going to try and win with yards after the catch in the passing game, and they almost did it. They almost did it, you know. Uh, Garoppolo hits that deep shot to Emmanuel Sanders, mm-hmm. and and maybe Mahomes is own too in the Super Bowl. But I'm I'm with right. you. I I do think we're going to see the magnum opus from Andy Reid in this one.
2: Yeah, it's um, it it feels so odd to be saying things like. I mean the Chiefs really have to win their second Super Bowl with Andy <laughs> Mahomes to be like on track of Like that's kind of like that's a way this it's gets. Because Brady broke Brady broke everything. It's it's dude, it's my line every single time, Jackson. Like Brady has distorted our perspective on yes. what elite quarterbacks are supposed to do. It's so hard to win a Super Bowl, man. And Brady just makes it feel like you're supposed to do it once every three years. Aaron Rodgers of... is
0: Aaron Rodgers is the most talented yeah. quarterback I've ever seen prior to Patrick right. Mahomes, and he has one. Dan Marino is yeah. one of the greatest right. quarterbacks that I've ever seen in terms of just pure talent he never won one yeah. like it's really it was, fucking hard it,
2: it was it was the Sean Payton conversation where people are like Payton mm-hmm. had Drew Reese for 15 years only won one Super Bowl it's like here's a list of coaches who have won more than one Super Bowl <laughs> Belichick that's it it's so hard like in terms of like yeah. like recent years and so yeah it, it feels weird to talk about it that way I always I don't want to fall into that bucket no, like into that no, trap and, and, and we like don't do that there. here either yeah, yeah. but altogether yes it does feel like this is a magnum opus game like you said for andy and mahomes and it feels like the expectation is on these guys to 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 push out that super bowl win and i it definitely feels as well like there's some they're smarting from the bucks loss like you know like when when you talk to kind of their team execs and 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 just like the spirit of the, the team around that monday night there was a lot of like we're really happy to be back you know we last last time we did this we didn't really like we know we're happy to be back. We we think this is where we belong and, and we're glad to be here. There's there's an there's an edge to the Chiefs. That I think yeah, I'd be surprised if you get a Chief stinker. That'd blow me away.
0: Yeah, yeah. But if the Eagles pull us off, I mean, talk about a coronation, man. I mean Yeah. <laughs> Sirian, when you go from the conversation surrounding Nick Sirianni after his introductory press conference two years ago to now, I mean, it's it's different worlds. You know, he he came off in that one looking like, What's what's this guy doing here? And now it's just like, oh, that's what he's doing in here. Yeah. I mean, and it helps, it helps to have an objective top three roster that's basically fully healthy. You know, mm-hmm. f- for, for me, I'm, I'm with you. I think the, the Reed Mahomes advantage seems difficult to overcome. The way you beat a, a combination like that is to just dominate up front. From guy one through guy four, the defensive line in Philly is as good as I've seen in a, an extremely long time.
2: Guy one to guy eight, man. Yeah, like, that's, Brandon true. Graham, that's like, true. Brandon Graham. That's true. Brandon Graham is 11 sacks. His first ever double-digit sack season. He's like 35. He's a rotational rusher. What? That's uh-huh. not how you do things. That's not how stuff works. You guys they don't like, blitz Ryan, a lot either. The Eagles are actually like, yeah, it, it's, it's tricky because the numbers aren't super clear. Because the Eagles rush five a lot because they play with five Mm -hmm. down fronts a lot, right? Like the Seahawks, three, four stuff, same thing for the Eagles. But in terms of snaps on which they send a defensive back – teams send a defensive back in the pass rush, Eagles are dead last. They don't really – if they send anybody, they'll send a a, – like a Mike linebacker. They let that front four – eat, and then they put the second set of line in, and they let them do it as well, right? They grabbed the Dominican and Sue and Linball Joseph in the middle of the season just to, like, round it out. Are you kidding me? Like, this isn't Dominick and Sue and Linball Joseph. So, yeah, the um, <laughs> the front is going to be is, – is the whole kit and caboodle for the Eagles in terms of getting – a four down front on the field and then getting after Mahomes with it. It's important to contain him in the pocket, be disciplined in your rush lanes. What will be interesting to see is how well the Chiefs can run the football against that. The Eagles are really mad stopping the run in four down fronts. If you're Kansas City, every time you get that four down look, you want to run at it. You want to get the Eagles out of it. Force them to be a five down team. Force them to put a nose tackle on the field because now there's one less coverage defender and now Patrick Mahomes can really work in the passing game. So every single snap you're watching at home, every single snap the Chiefs have the ball, it's looking to see how many down defensive linemen the Eagles have and what the Chiefs try to do against that that's where this tactical battle is it, it, it's it's planted right in that matchup in the trenches
0: i want to go really quickly just through the positional groups for each of these two teams because i was, I was doing this with a couple of buddies and i, I was just flabbergasted by how much talent both teams have everywhere so let's just let's start at the top you tell me which team has the edge we'll start with quarterback chiefs running back eagles yeah agree but it's yeah. close. This one's <laughs> fun. Pass catchers.
2: I think this is Eagles, right? It's just like the, the depth the depth behind Kelsey is tough for the Chiefs to get away with. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and also I, I will say on every podcast that I get on until I die, people got to watch Dallas Goddard, man. Yep. Goddard is a solid tight end. So I give it Eagles.
0: I've got money on him to be the first touchdown scorer in this game. So mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm with you there. I think, I think he could have a sneaky great game. All right, uh, offensive line. Eagles,
2: that's really close same eagles same. orlando orlando brown is a weakness in pass protection bigger than any weakness i think you get out of like landon Dickerson or isaac samala so i'll take eagles
0: okay yep i'm with you uh defensive line this is an eagles for sure eagles i think that's your biggest i think that's your biggest edge in this game
2: yeah it's, it's 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 the one of the best groups of any position in any team is eagles you know line it's insane Let's,
0: Let's let's expand that to a front seven. Probably still Eagles by a decent margin, yeah?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, when you go to pick on players in the Eagles' defense, you pick on their linebackers. That's not exactly the case with the Chiefs. Chiefs, you go after some of the outside corners and test the rookies. But Nick Bolton's a really solid player. TJ Edwards is a really solid player. They're, there's still talent here, even though it's just not, you know, the part you write about when you write about either team.
0: I feel like the wild card in this game, besides special teams, special teams always wild card, but I feel like wild cards in the secondaries. The Chiefs finished that game against the Bengals with four rookies out there and stopped Burrow yep. on his last three drives. Like, that doesn't get talked right. about. We talk about the the late hit and all this other stuff. But, like, the Chiefs are out there with four rookies against Joe Burrow and T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, and they stopped him mm-hmm. three times, including getting a pick. Uh, that's great. Can they do that all game long, and do the Eagles have an advantage there? Yeah, it's it's tricky. I, I like the Chiefs' safeties better than the Eagles' safeties
2: for sure. Corner, you like the Eagles better with with James Bradbury and Darius Slay going up yes. against these rookies. Yes. The most important thing to understand about the Chiefs is that they play a lot of press. You know, they're playing a, a little bit more man uh, zone coverage this year. Excuse me, a little bit less man, but they they press a lot at the line of scrimmage. Uh, A.J. Brown leads the league in yards per route run against press coverage. Four point five yards per route run against press coverage is the best <laughs> so number. The last insane. it's the best number in the last six years. Yeah, it's it's like a a
0: 100th percentile number.
2: It's the best number NGS has ever tracked. And there's another (laughs) NGS stat, which is that A.J. Brown leads the league in receiving yards over expectation in tight window throws, and the Chiefs defense is worse in the league in terms of giving up yardage in tight window throws. So they have to take those shots. Yeah. Jalen Watson's like a, a solid rookie corner. He's impressive. He was he's better than what he was drafted for. But what he's good at is like pressing guys, getting in their cylinder, and discouraging targets. When he gets targeted, he's not good at playing the catch point. The best dude in the league this year at the catch point is AJ Brown. And so this is a game where like, you know, you get on the sideline, you're Shane Steichen, the Eagles offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson, Eagles quarterback coach, you sit down with Hertz, you pull out the surface, and you circle AJ Brown, you go, I don't care what it looks like you know where he is generally Yes. throw the ball there generally right We're AJ's like down there somewhere this. yeah it's it's a hundred million dollar receiver that you traded for to get to this game and to win this game It it is a massive massive aj brown game in my opinion you you tell me the eagles win this game i am positive aj brown had a good night if they win it without an aj performance i'll be flabbergasted he is the linchpin of the offense
0: yeah yeah absolutely just a just a total monster yeah it's gonna be so very fun, yeah it's there's so many angles to this just on field. We're not even talking about the off field with uh, right. you know the the venerated all-time Hall of Fame coach versus the young guy, the two starting black quarterbacks, the Kelsey brothers. I mean there's there's lots of external stuff that's very fun and very cool about this game. Just the on field stuff though is yeah. as good as any Super Bowl I can remember. It's uh,
2: it like the amount of stars is bananas. We've barely said the words like the names Chris Jones, Hassan Reddick, Travis Kelsey. <laughs> We've even like mentioned like once. You know what I'm saying? These are like some of the best dudes are their position. Like Chris Jones should maybe win Defensive Player of the Year. Travis Kelsey is like one of the best tight ends, if not the best tight end to play. And like we're 30 minutes in, it's like oh yeah, and those guys are also here. The, <laughs> right. the schematic stuff is insane. The ability for star players to just take the game over, make all the schematic stuff not matter. Insane. And then, yeah, it's it's Andy Reid and what he used to mean to Philadelphia and still does mean to Philadelphia. It's the Kelsey right. brothers and, and what each one has meant so much to their spe- respective teams and their fan bases. Kel- like, you know, Jason Kelsey is, is when I think Eagles Super Bowl win, I think about Kelsey in the Mummer costume. Like, that's I'm tethered to Kelsey as the Super Bowl memory, and here he is again playing against his brother. Like, it's dude, it's such
0: a good game. It's such a good game. Is it? If if the Eagles lose, is it a little bit of a salve that the coach on the other side is Andy Reid?
2: I asked this question. I did. Uh, I've, I've asked, like, you know, like Sheil, who's my, my co-host on the Philly Special Show, and like a couple of other Eagles guys. And usually I get, like, a resounding no. Sheil was kind of like, oh, maybe a little bit. I do think it is. I really do. I, at least, like, I don't know. All Eagles fans come from different eras and have different memories of Andy Reid. But, like, I'm 25. My, like, conscious memory of the Eagles – of becoming an Eagles fan because like I wasn't born into it my dad was Steelers fan my mom was a Jets fan my conscious memory of becoming an Eagles fan was the 2000s Andy Reid teams Donovan mm-hmm. McNabb Brian Westbrook Brian Dawkins Terrell Owens like I love football because in large part of Andy Reid and so if yeah. Andy Reid wins a Super Bowl against the Eagles I'll be sad on Monday I'll be sad on Tuesday but by Tuesday man so you go heading into yeah. Wednesday I'll start to go you know yeah. what like Andy got one and Andy deserves one. He deserves to be a multiple Super Bowl winner. Andy's an incredible coach. So at least for me, it, it's a bit of a style for sure.
0: Yeah, that's cool. And and I appreciate you leaning into the human element because at the end of the day, we're all people watching people play and watching yeah. people coach and and cheering for people, you know? And and that's that's cool to hear. Cause I, I know if, if Seattle was ever in a situation where they were playing a Super Bowl. If they were to lose, I would hope that it was Pete Carroll on the other side. Same same kind of thing. Yep. Thankfully, the Seahawks yeah. would never lose a Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. C- certainly not in the most famous <laughs> they heartbreaking dream of fashion. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> all right. So we got all the unimportant stuff out of the way. The Super Bowl, obviously, major sports and entertainment event, one of the very biggest in the world. But it's also, most importantly, the single most wagered upon event on the planet. Now, yeah. as of right now. Eagles are favored by a point and a half. The over-under sits at 51. And the fulcrum for Chris Stapleton's national anthem performance is at two minutes and two seconds. If you had to bet an uncomfortable amount of money on those three lines, which sides are you taking?
2: Chiefs plus one and a half. Over 51, though I would shop around for a 50 and a half if it's still full. I'm I'm buying it down to
0: 50 and a half, yeah.
2: Yeah. So for yeah for people who are just betting Super Bowl nothing else fifty one one of the most common totals that you see in NFL betting even with teams going for two punt conversions it's, it's up there and so if you can find a fifty and a half go find a fifty and a half uh, and then over on Stapleton country singer national anthem it, it initially got over money early and and usually early money is, is sharp money yeah I'll take the over I will say uh, there's a n- not to forget a single word of the national anthem minus like 900 floating around, which you need a lot of money to get money out of that. But absolutely. Chris Stapleton forgetting a word of the national anthem. he I never, recovered. No, chance. He no never chance. recovered. no chance. No chance. Absolutely. I was, he's, he's remembering all the words.
0: Well, when I, when I saw that the number was over two minutes, I was a little bit hesitant. And then I watched him ham it up during Stevie Wonder's set at the Grammy. I was like, Oh, this guy's going over. <laughs> he's yeah. He's milking this one. <laughs> all right. Those are the standard bets. Now Mike has found some special props that he wants to ask us as well. I haven't seen these yet, so I'm excited oh. to see where we land on these. Hit me, Mike. Let it rip. All,
1: all right. right, let's let's let these loose, shall we? So we've got we've got several. We'll go through this uh, as is standard procedure in a lightning round format. So all right, we'll start with uh, something that is right in line with Chris Stapleton. The bet is any scoring drive that is shorter than the anthem length. Yes is minus 250. No is plus 180. So basically, are we getting a, a big play, long touchdown, a la T. Higgins dropping his nuts on Jalen Ramsey's I'm, face I'm, match gonna say, I'm going to
0: say
2: – go go ahead, Ben. I'm going no because I think it's a, a lot of completions and a lot of runs, which means running game clock. And running game clock means that's like, what, five plays you're getting in, a two-minute drive maybe? Like that's – yeah, I'm thinking no.
0: That was my initial thought, but then I just I, – I think – I think there's going to be a two minutes. There's a lot at the plays. end of the half.
2: There's a lot of big plays. Yeah. I I, yeah, I don't the, even the, the drives I at the end of the half are big for that. It's a good point. That's yeah. yeah.
0: yeah I th- I think there's going to be you know a team at the end of the half that's going to have a field goal drive or at the end of the game that's going to have a drive where they get the ball with less than two minutes left and and they convert. That's the reason I would say yes. But my initial thought was no. All right, Mike. What's the next one? All
1: right, so we're going to go with. The first touchdown scorer having an odd or an even jersey number. Odd is minus 175. Even is plus 145.
2: Right. Odd is getting you Kelsey, A.J. Brown, Hertz, Mahomes. Even is getting you Pacheco, Sanders, Devontae Smith, Smith, Dallas Goddard. God, Dallas Goddard.
0: Goddard. Ju- yeah, Juju odd. is a wild card for the odd number.
2: Yeah. Odd gets you McKinnon, too. this yep. Valdez- Scantling. I, I, odd. Yeah, yeah. I'll take odd.
1: Yep. I'm odd. All right. Well, we all know that, Jackson. but uh, Okay. All right. Just simple coin flip. Heads or tails? Tails. Oh, tails never fails. Come on. That's right. As Randy Moss said, they don't play the PlayStation like us, man.
0: All right. Tail- tails got to be like minus 200.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Hot dogs sold at the game. The over or under is set at 17,000 glizzies. What do we got here? Under is at minus 150. What's? But keep what's, in mind, this is Philly and KC fans we're talking about.
0: What, what does that stadium hold down there? I think it's like 63,000 yeah. or so. Yeah. So one dog for every four. I'm going over. over.
2: Yeah. And even though, like, I imagine more people sitting in the halftime stands than expected because than, than usual, right? Because obviously there's the show. It's such a long event. You're here for so long. You yep. have to be. You got. You have to be getting substantial food. This is not a popcorn event. You got to be getting something to eat. This, I'm going over. There you All
1: go. Right. All right. Team colors that Drake will be wearing. Chiefs are at -215, <laughs> Eagles are at +245. And by that I'm saying who is going to lose this game. Yeah, who is going right. to lose this game?
0: Right. Eagles +245. Right. I think I think so. Yeah. I think when I think when he squashed the beef with Meek, I think that's going to I think that's going to make him Eagles.
2: I just All think right. I just think Jalen Hurts is such a guy that you 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 stand for i mean like, god, me, like but I, he's I, a I front runner
0: mahomes is the ultimate guy to hit your wagon to if you're a front runner too god that's tough mm.
2: i'm going eagles i though. like
0: the i like the plus money eagles yeah
1: all right and the last one the gatorade bath what color gatorade are they going to use i'm already in lemon, on this one lemon lime at plus 165 orange at plus 300 blue at orange. plus 400 red at plus 450, clear slash water at plus 750, purple at plus 750, and none at 1,200. Let me give you just a little bit of context on this. Lemon Lime moved from plus 400 up to plus 165 recently because it hasn't been done since the Eagles won five years ago, though orange is the most common, and also blue has been used in the last two Super Bowls. This is very important stuff, guys. I'm
0: I'm on a three Super Bowl heater with Gatorade. Wow. And, oh, yeah? Yeah. And, right, and I, feel, str- I feel strongly. Blue? Are you hammering blue? I feel strongly about orange this year. Wow. Yeah,
2: I'm also. I, I was expecting I orange
0: to be yeah. the shortest odds.
2: So lemon lime was what the Eagles used for the NFC championship game. Uh, and so I think there was an expectation that lemon lime is just the Eagles default championship Gatorade. And if you know that, then it's a good bet. But I like the Chiefs to maybe win it. And also, I don't think that Gatorade colors are kept consistent. So orange plus plus two hundred works for me. Yeah, you know, after
1: they've been clowning Cincinnati for Burrowhead and the mayor and all that, I feel like it would be fitting for them to use orange, right?
0: I'm into yeah, it. absolutely. I'm right. into it. Well, there you all go. Right.
1: Everybody can take take this information as, as hard fact. Yes. So, congrats yes. on the this money, is guys. Your,
0: this, <laughs> this is your insight to immediate wealth. This the Cigar Podcast. All right. All right, Ben, before we go, I do want to get your thoughts on the Seahawks. One of the things I like most about your work is that you don't tiptoe into your opinions. I also know you're very informed on the draft and players coming into the league. So a couple quick questions. Mm-hmm. First, do you think Seattle's 9-8 season is a fair representation of the talent currently on the roster?
2: Yes. That's oh, sorry. We're not, still doing li- we're not still doing lightning round. I was in lightning <laughs> round, mode. I was like, you just answered. <laughs> no, that's Are great. That's anything? great. Yes works. <laughs> yes works. If you I would did. like to expound,
0: yeah. feel free.
2: I do. There's, there's clear fundamental weaknesses with the team, right? Defensive line, I think, continues to need How an overhaul. Um, right, and then um, the, the injury to Jamal Adams, I think, exposed some issues in the secondary that, like, even a healthy Jamal Adams wasn't fully covering up. But they—they, they, I think they killed this past draft. They killed it at premium positions. And I think as long as you have two really talented receivers and a, and a quarterback who's very clearly functional, very clearly average to above average, and has the ability to be more, has these peak, peak performances, you're going to get a good passing offense out of that. Love what I've seen from Kenneth Walker. Yeah, the Seahawks is actually the sort of team to me that, like, yeah, with they are as they are right now, playoff you know caliber team. Right, they're on that, they're on that fringe, they're on that hump. Now it's a question of what do you do in, in year two, building around Geno, kind of coming in with new expectations.
0: Yeah, and it, it's sounding more and more like Geno Smith is going to stay in Seattle. So for the sake of this conversation, let's assume that happens. From there, how are you prioritizing your offseason if you're John Schneider? And are there any specific players, either rookies or free agents, that you see as good fits or potential targets for Seattle?
2: Uh I definitely want to prioritize defensive build, and I think that I can. I can get away with that. I think that my offensive line is good enough. I, there can be improvements on the interior. I think that they have enough weapons. To me, I'm looking to go defensive. And like I said, I think you'd want to improve your interior, where they had a weird rotation of guys, and they had you know peak performances from Al Woods, and then they kind of like went nowhere, and Quentin Jefferson in and then out, and then it was kind of a little bit of a mess. So, I don't know the defensive tackle market super well. Uh, nobody comes to mind in terms of free agents, but to be honest, I haven't looked at it very closely. That's a post Super Bowl activity for me. Um, there's plenty of like beefy dudes in the draft this year on on the interior. Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin's a great interior player. Uh, Brian Breesy out of out of Clemson is a solid interior player. Those guys you can get that I think will give you uh, a year one assistance who will fit the Seahawks, you know, kind of height, weight, speed. Prior to are those so, are those day
0: it, two guys or more like late first round guys in your opinion?
2: Benton and 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 Breesy, I would both more want to take on round two. Uh, I'd expect. Barise gets talked about as a round one guy because of the Clemson background. We'll see. You know what I'm saying? Benton would be the player that I, I would I would directly circle. The Northwestern guy, uh, young man is also impressive as like a, as like a Michael Bennett type. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce his last name, um, but he, he's a solid player as well. Um, it's, it's, it's a decent draft for the interior. After Jalen Carter, there's no studs, um, but I think you're going to be okay. So defense tackle I would go for. Linebacker you probably have to go for. I am, yeah. I am uh, a, a Cody Barton apologist and have been for a long time. But he's better as a rotational player. Uh, I think that you want to you want to beef that up if you can. And then you do have to ask your questions about um, your long-term health, like plan at the nickel position. We're just like there was no Jamal and then Kobe kind of comes in and okay, maybe Kobe's not what we wanted the nickel and we have to get a guy who's a good run fitter, but it's more effective in coverage than Bryant was like, that's a tricky position to figure out. I think they probably have the bodies in the building that they want between Kobe Bryant and Ryan Neal. It's just like, okay, who can actually give us consistent snap to snap play? Cause both guys had nice moments, but overall we're like way too hot and cold for a position that's that, so that close to the fire. So you're, you're dealing with the spine of the defense. That'd be my approach.
0: Let's let's do a hypothetical. Seahawks at the fifth overall pick. Let's say the first four in some order are Bryce Young, Will Levis, Will Anderson, and Jalen Carter. You're sitting at five. You don't find a trade back that you like. Who are you taking? You got CJ Stroud there. You got Tyree Wilson there. Is there anybody that you're like, this This is the guy for us?
2: Five is a really bad spot if Carter, and, and Will Anderson don't make it. It's It and honestly sucks that they they did such a good job at corner because it would be a great spot to take a corner, but they're good. They, they did a great job yeah. at outside corner, and now you're kind of, you know, okay, no Christian Gonzalez, no Devon Witherspoon, what do we do? I look for a trade back, right? And if we're in the spot where Carter and Anderson are both gone, then it means at least one of the top three quarterback quarterbacks remain. I don't think you have to go for that guy at five overall. I think you'd rather be in a position where you trade back again, Anthony Richardson out of Florida and at a later time in the first round, if you want to go that development quarterback route. So if I'm at five, I'm going to try to trade back. If I'm forced to make a pick. Tyree Wilson doesn't have enough of a floor, or excuse me, enough of a ceiling for me to feel great about him at five. I think Keon White, badge out of Georgia Tech, is probably more of what you'd look for in terms of like a ceiling player. He's a little bit older, mm-hmm. but he was underdeveloped when he came in, and he's gotten a lot better year in and year out. So to me, like that's the player I'm more interested in. Drew Sanders, even the Arkansas kid who can maybe go that high. He was a weird like.
0: Yeah, I, li- I like knacker. him. Five seems high, Ed's but Russell I like him. Size.
2: Yeah, five seems high, but like I just I don't want to pay five for the ceiling on Tyree Wilson. I feel like I know what Tyree Wilson is. I I, I don't. I'm I'm not taking Cleveland Ferrell where Cleveland Furrow got took in, got yeah. took in. take whatever the participle is. Uh, you need to get a higher ceiling there. Five is a really ugly spot if Carter and Anderson both come off the board. I'd be trying to get out of that pick desperately. And hey, John Schneider, trade back. That's what we're all about, baby.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, and, and I got to think, I got to think in this hypothetical, he would be able to find, there's enough teams needing a CJ Stroud mm-hmm. that I think you do find your trade part. And I mean, perfect scenario, maybe not perfect, but uh, an advantageous scenario is you get enough teams trading into the top four that three quarterbacks come off the board and that make, makes things simple. You take yeah. whoever's left between Will Anderson and Jalen Carter. That's that's what they I'm are, looking
2: for. Yeah. They're a player card close to the best and see how the draft day chips fall team right now where you have to have yeah. a plan for what you're going to do at five if you're stuck there. But ideally you're waiting to see what quarterbacks go where and who wants to maybe move up for the pick and you're trying to play it on draft night.
0: Yeah, our our mutual friend and your coworker Danny Kelly did his mock recently, and DK. <laughs> it was, it was pretty indulgent. If you're a Seahawks fan, <laughs> he, he had uh, uh, Jalen Carter falling to them at five, and then them taking Anthony Richardson with their second first round pick, and that would be a very, dream. That would be very 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 fun because I I love Geno. I uh, I'm into him for the next couple of years it's probably going to be a bit before Seattle's in position to take a high ceiling quarterback in the draft. Most likely. Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't mind if, if a project like Anthony Richardson is there, whose ceiling is as high as anybody's in this draft. If it clicks. Yeah. That would be very, very fun.
2: Yeah. AR is a, uh, he's, there are signs in terms of how he played this past year that he's going to come along and come along. Well, Like he's more, he's further along. Like a Malik Willis was right. Like the, he's further along than a Trey Lance was. who went three overall. Like this is the sort of guy where I'm like, I've already even like seen the climb start to begin. And so yeah. a lot of it is like, how early do I want to commit? Do I want to introduce that chaos into my room and have to manage that situation, which Pete Carroll great at managing weird quarterback situations as we are increasingly learning. Uh, but it, <laughs> it, you know, it's a, uh, it's a choice you have to make, but getting your hands on AR 15, I or he doesn't go by AR 15 anymore. Getting your hands on Anthony Richardson. I'd, I'd pay a pretty penny.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's just, it's the moonshot. And mm-hmm. if, if he, if he clicks, he, he just does so, so much for you. And there's no rush to get him on the field. I mean, the guy's going to blow up the combine. He's, you know, when it's underwear Olympics time, that guy is going to be the yep. man. So it wouldn't surprise me to see him move up and, and even see a team make a trade up to take him earlier than he might be with Seattle. What do they got? The 20th pick uh, in the first round. So, yeah, I thought it was a little indulgent by Danny, but I loved it.
2: <laughs> That's what you do. You find good ways for your team to get a good player. <laughs>
0: That's right. All right, man. Look, I can tell it's crazy there. Thank you so much for coming on. Before we release you back to the hounds, tell the folks listening where they can get more of you.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Ringer's the spot. Ringer NFL show. Ringer Philly special. Ringer NFL draft show. We're doing all the pods, baby. Uh, yep. And then, yeah, on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak. Solak, S-O-L-A-K. Come swing through. I'll use my, my 20 Elon Musk mandated tweets a day to say hi. Be good.
0: <laughs> okay, friends, you heard it. Make sure you're following Ben, and if you're looking for a Sherpa this NFL offseason, it's tough to do better than Mr. Solak. As for us, you can find Mike and I on social media. I am on Twitter at, at Jackson Bevins. That's J-A-C-S-O-N. Remember that no K is okay when spelling my name. Mike is on Twitter at, at Mike Barwin, and the show itself is at Cigar Thoughts. You can also find us on Instagram at Cigar Thoughts NFL and on Facebook at Seahawks Cigar Thoughts. Of course, you can listen to this show and read every article at fieldgoals.com slash Cigar Thoughts and if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and you like the show, drop us a five-star rating and leave a quick review. Despite being on the air for just over a year, we've already gotten nearly 200 five-star ratings between the two platforms. That is not something Mike and I take for granted. Thank you to all of y'all listening for your continued support of the show. We know you've only got so much time for audiobooks, music, and podcasts, and it's an honor to be a part of that for y'all. Please know that by sharing this show on social media and with your friends, you give us the juice to keep making this happen. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, Onwards and upwards, my friends.